You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. So today, uh, as we continue our summer series through Proverbs, we're going to be talking about everybody's favorite subject. I know it's a subject I love to preach on. I know it's a subject you guys love to hear about. We're going to be talking about money. <laughs> wow, you guys do like talking about money. Um, maybe not at the end of the sermon, though, when you're all feeling guilty. No, I'm just kidding. Um, when it comes to money, there are many different ways we can go about using it, getting our hands on it, and managing it. And uh, when we look into the Word, when we look into the Bible, we find that God actually gives us plenty of instruction and guidance in those areas, um, which is why, much to the chagrin of those who don't like talking about money, especially when it comes to your spending habits, uh, the reason we're discussing money this morning is, is because it's impossible to read through Proverbs and not come to the conclusion that as followers of God, we're commanded to be good stewards of our cash. We're commanded to be good stewards of our cash. As citizens of God's kingdom, we, we have a responsibility to be wise with our wealth. Proverbs 14.24 says this, The crown of the wise is their wealth, but the foolishness of fools produces foolishness. So the crown of the wise is their wealth, but the foolishness of fools produces foolishness. I, I love that line. It's becoming my favorite, favorite verse. The foolishness of fools produces foolishness. I'm going to start using that in my counseling sessions. When, when you come and talk, I'm just going to say, the foolishness of fools produces foolishness, you guys. Um, <laughs> get over it. Stop being foolish. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm just kidding. Uh, you guys can come counseling and I'll be respectful and full of grace and mercy. Um, but um, th- it's true, though, right? The only return a fool can get on their fo- on their when they're foolish is foolishness, right? That's the return a fool gets when they're being f- foolish. Um, when, so when it comes to the way we handle our money and wealth, how many of us does this describe? How many of us does this describe? Speaking generally now, in regards to our economy, our foolishness with money has caused us Canadians to find ourselves living under the burden of being in billions of dollars in household debt. According to Stats Canada, the average Canadian owes $1.79 to every dollar of disposable income they make, which means the average Canadian is living beyond their means by almost double. Because of this debt, many if not most, households are barely living month to month. And because of that, many are one job loss or unexpected large expense away from financial trouble or ruin. And maybe that's you, or maybe you've already gone, gone past that point. Maybe you're on your way to that point. Uh, but let's be honest, in this unstable economy, it, it could be any of us tomorrow. Right? It could be any of us tomorrow. So don't think I'm up here to judge or make you feel bad about your finances. Quite the opposite, really. Uh, hopefully this morning we can all actually learn from the Proverbs and glean some wisdom so that we don't have to stay where we are, so that we don't get to that point. 
Um, but with all that being said, it's, it's no wonder that the subject of money causes so much anxiety and, and strain. Not, not only when we have to just think about it ourselves or, or look at our bank account balances, but, but also in other areas of our lives as well, right? Uh, it causes st- stress and, and strain and, and, and anxiety and division in our relationships, uh, in, in our business partnerships, uh, in our marriages, in, in our own personal self-worth, right? In our job satisfaction and in achieving our goals and in our relationship with God and, and our general just overall health and well-being. A former pastor once remarked in a book, that, book I was reading that, that in most cases where people came to get counsel for some emotional or spiritual or, or relational struggle, there was almost always an underlying financial problem lurking in the background. And, and, and this is crazy, Right? Especially because money, money makes the, the world go round, as they say, right? We, we can't live without it. It's foundational to our economy and our survival. It's a, it's a basic and, and necessary part of our lives. We use it every day. We go to work for the sole purpose of, of attaining it. Yet, even though it's so vital, so many of us struggle with how to manage it or use it well. Christian financial advisor Doug Lyman writes of his early adult days. He says, as finance was one of the most crucial aspects of life, and I knew nothing about it. Most schools don't teach it. Most parents don't teach it. Most adults are financially illiterate to some extent. Even people who have money often lose it due to poor planning. Financial, financial illiteracy causes untold amounts of suffering. Financial illiteracy causes untold amount of suffering. True story. Right? Maybe maybe you can relate to that quote. But here's the truth. God doesn't want us to be ignorant about money and how to handle our wealth. Um, in fact, God's given us wisdom and, and instruction in this area, not only so that we can make good financial decisions and avoid the issues that come with being foolish with our money, but mainly so that we can, we can invest in what matters, so that we can invest in his kingdom, so that, so that we can use what he's given us to make an impact for good and for God. As, as they say, we've been blessed to bless others, right? We've been blessed to be a blessing. Be, before I go any further, though, you may have noticed if you've been reading along with us in Proverbs. Hopefully you have been. If not, just catch up this afternoon because um, it's, it's incredible. There's so much depth. Um, but if you, you might have noticed that there are over 100 verses about money in the book of Proverbs. So over 100 Proverbs about money in the book of Proverbs. That's so much to talk about when it comes to wealth, right? That. So obviously I can't talk about it all today, and even though it might seem like I am. But on that end, this is, this is the main point that, that I want us to walk away from this morning. You know, if we don't learn anything else, just hopefully we learn this. It's a pretty generic statement, but it's, it's incredibly important. And one the authors of Proverbs also bring up repeatedly that it's important to be wise with our wealth. We need to be wise with our wealth. Because, because on the flip side of that, and, and, and I believe this strongly, that, that when we aren't wise, when we mismanage or squander our, our, our money or, uh, you know, 
our bank accounts don't just suffer when we do that, but our relationship with God suffers. And, and what I mean is, I'm not saying we can buy, you know, access to God. That's not what I'm saying. But what I mean is, when we're foolish with our money, we're actually missing out on and, and even crippling ourselves from being able to do what God's called us and has provided for us to do. Right? When we squander his provision, when God says, I'm, I'm going to bless you with this so that you can go out and bless others, and then we squander what he's given us. So if we squander that provision that he's given us, the result is that we squander our call to be his hands and feet. Let's, let's, look, at a, let's look at a bunch of the ways the book of Proverbs encourages us to, to use our wealth in and for the kingdom of God. We're just going to read through a bunch of these uh, Proverbs. So number one, the Proverbs reminds us over and over that, over and over that we're called to be generous. Proverbs 11.24 says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. So as a people of God, we're called to, to give generously, right? To give to one another as, as needed, to, to give to the, to the ministry, to give to missions, to give to our, our neighbors, to our family. We're called to be generous, and to give freely. That means we don't expect anything back when we give. But on that end, it still does come with a promise. It says, it says that as we do, we'll actually grow more wealthy. As we give freely, we actually become more wealthy. And I'm sure the financial advisors in the room are doing the math in their heads right now. And, and they're unable to wrap their heads around how it can be possible that, that, that we can become more wealthy by giving, giving money away. But guess what? Math in the kingdom of God doesn't play by the same rules. Um, and I don't want to miss an, uh, us to misinterpret this either. You know, this isn't a get-rich-quick scheme. I didn't suddenly become a prosperity pastor overnight, so don't, don't worry. Um, the meaning of the words wealth or richness in, in the Bible and in Proverbs can mean many things and, and, and carry many connotations, so all depending on how God wants to bless us, right? So yes, it can, it can mean tangible blessings and money. Sure, but it can also refer to the, the increase of our treasures in heaven, which Jesus reminds us is what really matters, right? And, or it can mean the richness of, of God's presence, his, his grace, his joy, and his word stored up in our hearts. It can also mean that an influx of more wisdom, which Proverbs remind, reminds us is, is more precious than gold, more valuable than jewels. That's true wealth. Having the wisdom of God is true wealth. So either way, when we give freely... We're investing in the advancement of his kingdom, and, and we'll always see a huge return on it every time. That's the promise. God will always respond by making us wealthier in one way or another. That's why it says in, in Proverbs 11.25, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So we're called to give generously and, and freely which leads to the second way we're called to use our money, according to Proverbs. Second point here says we're called to give to the poor. So it's along the same lines, but more specific, right? We're called to give to the poor. Proverbs 28, 27 says, Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. So again, as, as people of God, we're blessed by God to be his, his hands and feet in helping the have-nots, right? To lift the poor and feed the hungry. Proverbs 19:17. if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord, and he will repay you. 
I love the way this verse puts it, that when we give to the poor, we're actually lending money to the Lord. I, I don't know about you, but I find it pretty intriguing and cool that, that you know, whenever we give to those in need, God, re, God responds to us by saying, thank you, I owe you one. <laughs> and I don't know, when I read through that, I thought that was pretty neat. We're, we're lending to the Lord. In other words, when we give, we give to the poor out of what God's given us. We're investing in his desires and his heart, and we're doing his work on his behalf. This is our mandate as Christians, right, to, to feed the poor and widows. Which leads us to another way in which we're called to use our money. Number three, we're to honor God with our wealth. You might have noticed that the kids all answered these already, which is pretty cool. Uh, kids are wise, aren't they? Three, we're to honor God with our wealth. Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. So he's talking about the tithe there the best part of everything you produce. So one of the reasons that we often fail to, to treat our wealth with, with sanctity uh, or with wise stewardship is because we actually forget where it comes from. We forget whose money it really is. But Proverbs reminds us that, that every blessing, every penny, every bit of wealth comes from the Lord, either from him directly or at least through the wisdom knowledge, skills, and opportunity he's given us to earn it. So with that in mind, we're, we're to honor him then. If, if it comes from him, we're to honor him with the first fruits of what he's given us through, through tithing, through giving, and through being good stewards. But Because in doing so, first of all, we're, we're able then to, to humbly and thankfully acknowledge him alone as the source for, for whatever we've been given, right? That's what happens when we give. We, we humbly and, and thankfully acknowledge him as the source of what we've been given. And secondly, we're also reminding our hearts and reestablishing in our spirit that our trust is in him, not on what he gives. That our trust is in him, not on what he gives us. Proverbs 11:28 says, Trust in your money and down you go, but the godly flourish like leaves in spring. So as we place our trust in God and honor him, rather than putting our trust on money, that's when we'll flourish. Proverbs 10.22 says it like this, The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. And I've experienced this personally. But it's, it's, it's crazy and it doesn't make sense, but the more that I give, the more I find that I'm never in want. I'm, I'm never in lack. It doesn't make mathematical sense sometimes, but the Lord provides when we're willing to honor him and sacrifice what he's given us for his glory. And this leads us to another way we're called to use our wealth. Number four, we're to invest it wisely. I think it was true that said you would buy an acreage. Is that who said that? Um, well, Proverbs 31, 16, look what it says here. She, wisdom, let's talk about wisdom, she goes to inspect a field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. So that was, that was wisdom from true there. Um, so it's basically it's saying here, you know, God calls us to use our wealth to, to invest in, in, in wise and good things, right? The things that will help sustain us, give us purpose, make us flourish, help others flourish, and even support the economy, right? Wisdom is being able to take what God has given us and, and turn it into more. Not squander it, right? Which leads into my last point. Number five, we're called to give 
to the next generation. Proverbs 13.22 says, Good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. So it's our responsibility as children of God to ensure that the future generations, the future generation of God are, are of God's people are set up for success, that they, that they have the opportunity, that they have the financial support and, and that leg up so that they can be even more successful in advancing the kingdom and proclaiming the gospel than we were, right? This matters so much to God, that next generation, that it even says the sinner's wealth will eventually pass to the godly. That matters so much to God. Even the, even the wealth that's hoarded by greedy sinners will eventually find its way into the hands of God's people. But of course, it's a lot better to be working with God in that rather than against him. Right? So, okay, so to sum it up so far, Proverbs, there, there's more, but I'm going to stop there. Proverbs tells us that these are some of the wise and righteous ways that, that we should be using and investing in the wealth that God's given to us. So I'm just going to sum it all up again. We're to give freely and generously. We're to give to the poor. We're to honor and give back to to the God who gives to us, we're to invest it wisely, and we're to give an inheritance to the younger generations. So those are all good things, right? Those are all godly things. I don't think anyone would disagree with those things. But then to go back to my previous point from before we started talking about those things, let, let, let me ask us this just rhetorically. If we're always squandering our money on selfish things or if we're living beyond our means or if we're stuck in unmanageable debt or if we're mismanaging our money all the time and financially barely scraping by ourselves if we're not earning money or if we don't have any money saved up will we be able to do any of those things God's calling us and commanding us to do no. The answer is no. We can't, we can't give generously if we squander what God's given us. We can't, we can't give to the poor if we're poorer than the poor, right? We can't give back to God with our tithes if our whole paycheck is spoken for to pay off this unmanageable debt that we're in. We, we can't invest our money wisely if we're squandering it on Amazon purchases and, and booze or whatever, right? We can't, we can't give our children or our grandchildren an inheritance if we don't have anything saved up. Right? You see, when we fail to be wise stewards with our money, we're not only hurting ourselves and our bank account, but we're disobeying God. And, and we're, we're hurting others as well. We're, we're hurting those whom God has called us to help and, and give generously to. They get to continue or to suffer or miss out on experiencing the grace and provision of God due to our foolishness. Quick disclaimer here, I want to I wanna point out that I totally get that sometimes we find ourselves in, in financial trouble due to circumstances that are, that are out of our control. As it says in Proverbs as well, you know, our wealth can disappear quickly. It doesn't matter how wise we are with it. And that's why our trust is in God, not on money. In fact, it was with this kind of faith that the Apostle Paul was able to proclaim that through Christ he had learned to abound with little or with much. And as Christians, we need to learn to abound with little or with much. And it's not how much we have. And on that note, I also want to clarify that I'm definitely not trying to point my finger or, or condemn those that are poor this morning. Quite the opposite, actually. 
And I'm certainly not saying it's better to be rich. The Bible says, blessed are the poor, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. Proverbs also says that it's better to be poor and godly than it is to be rich and dishonest. So this isn't about being, being, being rich or poor or one's better than the other. Not at all. But the reason I do bring this up is, is primarily to say that as Christians, no matter how much we've been entrusted with, whether it's $5 or, or $5 million, we need to start being more mindful and prayerful of what we're spending our money on and what we're investing in because it matters. It matters. Are, are, are we trusting in God with our wealth? Or are we putting our trust in our wealth, right? Are we honoring God with our wealth? Or are we just using it for, for selfish gain or selfish pleasure? In fact, as I was reading through Proverbs again this month, uh, in the second week, I wrote this, ver- this verse down immediately because I was shocked to, to read it because I'd never noticed it before, but I was shocked to read that it, that it says it's not only foolishness to mismanage and squander our wealth, but it's, it's straight-up sin. Proverbs 10.16 says, The earnings of the godly enhance their lives, but evil people squander their money on sin. To me, that, that verse was pretty heavy. Hard-hitting. It really caused me to think about the way that I've been spending my money. I'm, I'm half Dutch, half Scottish, so I'm pretty frugal, but still. It certainly caused me to repent as I, I went through my credit card statement this week and, and all, the, you know, all the little charges, you know, the $5, $15, $20 charges that don't seem like much. But yet, all together, they add up to way too much, Right? It's so wasteful. It's so wasteful. And I'm just being honest here and saying that, that, that I'm preaching to myself this morning as well. That when it comes to, to finances, I'm not always acting godly either. I'm acting ungodly sometimes, e- evil even, selfish, foolish, squandering my money on sin. And not, not necessarily sinful things, but it's, it's foolishness and sin because it's, it's money spent on things that, that I don't really need. It's it's it's. it's just selfish things that I want, temporal things that, that don't enhance my life, that don't go into eternity. It's using what God's given me and, and, and using it on myself. Proverbs 21.17 says, Those who love pleasure become poor. Those who love wine and luxury will never be rich. You know, so this isn't saying that we, we can't spend money on, on fun things once in a while, but rather it's saying that, that it's so easy to, to be foolish and waste our money on things that we think are so important, like, like, like luxury and, 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 and pleasure. But these things are so temporary, right? So, so fleeting and, and so useless. Things, things that make us feel good in the moment, but don't have any lasting impact for our lives or for the kingdom of God. We, we see this so often with people who win the lottery. I'm sure we've all heard a story like this. You know, so, some family, they, they, they finally hit it big after 20 years of buying lottery tickets. So they're, they're set for life now, or so we think. But unfortunately, their poor spending habits don't suddenly change and improve just because they, get lots of, they have lots of money now. 
The truth is it actually magnifies their bad spending habits. And before they know it, they've spent it all in luxuries and, and in clothes and champagne and trips and, and parties to show off their wealth. And within months, like the prodigal son who took his inheritance early, they're dirt poor once again. Right? We've all heard some, something like that. We've all heard a testimony like that. And, and that's why it's no surprise to me that, that, that Jesus says it's only when we're faithful with little that we get to graduate into being faithful with much. Right? Our heart, our attitude, our habits toward money need to change first before we're entrusted with more. Because there's no limit to what God can give us. And if he's called us to go somewhere, he will provide for that. There's no limit to what God can give us. But I think that we, I don't know if this is controversial, but I, but I think that we limit his will to bless us when, when we're throwing it away, when we're wasting it. Why would he give us more if we're just, you know, blowing what he's been giving? So I, I want to reiterate again that this isn't about how much money we have. It's about how wise and generous and godly we're being with whatever we've been given. Remember Jesus praised the generosity of a widow who gave two coins over all the, the rich people who were giving, giving extravagant tithes and offerings. He praised her because she gave sacrificially of all she had. She gave more than them, according to the kingdom of God, than those other people. So it's not about how much. It's about how we use what we've been given. It's about our heart. Listen to this, uh, another quote by, by Doug Lyman. And, and this, this guy, Doug Lyman, I, I've been reading through his book. He grew up in a rich household, and, and he... He tried to escape, when, when he got older, he tried to escape the empty materialism of his childhood because he saw how unhappy his parents were, even though they were filthy rich. Uh, he, so he tried to escape that empty materialism by becoming a monk. So he joined a monastery um, because he thought that's, he had to escape from uh, money to, to be spiritual. But instead, he, he made a different discovery. He says, when I became a monk, I mistakenly believed I had to choose between a life of spiritual abundance or material abundance. I was wrong. We need to be a little bit wealthy, meaning fiscally wise and financially strong, so that we can help others and make the world a better place. When money becomes a part of our spiritual practice, used in love and service, it brings us closer to God. Jesus told us himself, right, when, when, when we give to the least of these, we, we give to him. We, we meet him. We're loaning our money to him. We're drawing closer to him. But again, this, this means we do need to be a little bit wealthy. That is, not rich, but fiscally wise and financially strong so that we can be generous. Again, we don't need to be rich, but we need to be good stewards of the wealth we've been given. So that we can, we can actually make a difference in people's lives and invest in the kingdom of God. So yes, money, we, we all know money can certainly be a root of evil. And we often misinterpret that thinking that money itself is evil. No, but it says money can be uh, a root of evil. We can use money, you know, in, in greed, uh, idolatry, pride, bribery, theft, control, dishonest gain, all that stuff, right? That, that's when money uh, becomes a root of evil. 
But money, we have to realize money can also be a powerful tool in the hands of the righteous and godly to make a huge and loving impact on this world in the name of Jesus. So the next question is, what, what do we have to do to make this happen? How, how can we, we set ourselves up for success in, in, so that we can be generous and, and start becoming good stewards of all that God's given us? Well, a financial advisor, if we went to a financial advisor, they might tell us to start by making a cash flow budget. If you don't know what a cash flow budget is, well, it's the thing my father-in-law asked me to make him and email him on the day I asked for his blessing to marry his daughter. Didn't ask for anything else. And I didn't have a job, so I was hooped. Income zero. <laughs> but I promise I'll take care of her. Uh, <laughs> but really, though, a cash flow budget, if you don't know, it's a, it's a simple flow chart. Really simple. It just records how much income you have coming in, how much expenses you have going out. A- Andrea's smiling back there. She's like, I love finances. I don't, I don't get that. Um, <laughs> you can ask her for, for more info if you want. <laughs> I'm just volunteering you, Andrea. Sorry. Um, so anyways, you know, it's a definitely a useful tool. Um, and you might even be surprised at how much disposable income you actually have if you didn't just squander it away. So definitely wise to do that. But as we've learned, you know, investing in the kingdom of God is, is more complicated than just having a cash flow budget. First of all, again, because as I said, math in the kingdom of God doesn't, doesn't always work the same as in the world. Being rich in Christ has, has, a, has a totally different meaning. And secondly, because sometimes God will call us to invest in things that don't make fiscal sense, but yet they make eternal sense. For example, some of you might remember the story about when a former prostitute poured a whole bottle of expensive perfume over the feet of Jesus because she wanted to honor him and thank him for the grace he had shown her. It's such a beautiful moment. But then some of the disciples kind of grumbled and, and, and they were all upset. And, and they're saying, well, that's a waste. We could have taken that, that per, the expensive perfume bottle and sold it and used the money to feed the poor. Right? So from a worldly or economic economical perspective they didn't understand that that honoring god with our money is always a worthy investment and so a cash flow budget isn't, isn't going to cut it for us right it's it's important to do but it's not not the full picture so again how can we that's why we need wisdom right that's why we need wisdom it's not just simple math we need to have wisdom so again how can we from a biblical and christ-centered perspective become better stewards of the blessings and wealth god has given us and i've Four points to, to finish off this morning. Um, there'll be a couple practical ones, a couple uh, spiritual ones. So how we can be better stewards of the blessings and wealth God has given us. So number one, first of all, as I said earlier, this, this is found, foundational, right? We have to recognize that all we have belongs to God. Before we can be truly wise with our finances, we, we have to have a change of perspective. Before we can freely give, 
We need to let go of that, that, that grip and that feeling of ownership that, that we have over our finances. Well, I worked hard. It's my money. I can do what I want with it. I deserve to buy whatever, blah, 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 right? We need to let go of that attitude. We need Jesus to change our heart to the point where, where we're able to acknowledge that every good and perfect gift comes from God. And then in the same vein, we need, we need his spirit to remind us continually that, that, that he's our provision. So that when, when we're called to give, we don't hold back in fear, but we give freely with a, with a joyful heart. Because as I've said, if, if our trust is in money, if, 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 if our trust is in our money, we're not going to give it up, right? We're going to hoard it. We'll, we'll use it selfishly. But if our trust and our faith is in God, we'll be more than ready to, to give generously, use it to honor him confident in knowing that, that he's going to continue to provide for us if he's called us to give. This is also part of what it means to, to pray for our daily bread as Jesus taught us, right? It's a, it's a prayer acknowledging and asking God to be our daily provision, to give us just enough to sustain us and to do what he's called us to do. Just, just imagine if, if, we, if we prayed and ask God to, to give us wisdom and guide us be, before we spent our money, before we pulled our credit cards out of our wallet. What, what, if we, what if we even said just like a quick prayer, God, give me wisdom here. I think, I think our spending would look a lot different. Let's start by doing that more often. That's the first point. So second point, to be good stewards, then we need to both avoid and get out of unmanageable debt. This is wisdom across the board. Financial advisors will also agree with the Proverbs here. When it says Proverbs 22.7, Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. So I'm not ignorant to the fact that in our, our Western economy, it's, it's, it's set up in such a way that we basically pretty much have to get loans at some point, whether it's student loans or, or mortgages or, or whatever. I have those myself. But there is a, there's a huge difference between using wisdom and getting loans that, that we can manage and, and loans that don't consume our finances, loans that are investments for our future, compared to going to the cash money center down the road to get a loan with ridiculously high interest just so you can buy a boat or get an advance on your check. Right? There's no wisdom in, in doing that. Uh, as the proverb wisely reminds us, the borrower becomes a servant to the lender, right? The, who you borrow from has power over you. So, so when it comes to your finances, be careful who you submit yourself to. Use wisdom. And it goes on to saying, if it's something you don't need, don't get a loan for it. Obviously, then, if, if you have a bad loan or, or if you've found yourself in debt, the wisest thing to do would be to get out from under that burden as, as fast as you can. There's another proverb that says if you borrow from your neighbor, um, go to his house right away and, and beg him to get out of that debt. Like, get out of it. And on that end, you'd be best to consult with a financial advisor, not a pastor, for more info on that. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm just talking about proverbs here. Um, but in the same vein, and also because Proverbs point, points this out many times, it's, it's one of the more popular proverbs, uh, subjects in, in Proverbs, actually, it's, it's kind of weird. Like, as I've, as I've been reading through it, this keeps coming up almost word for word, this verse. 
um, which says that it's, it's incredibly unwise to co-sign on someone else's loan. Why? Because it can and usually will cost you in the long term. Proverbs 11.15 says there's danger in putting up security for a stranger's debt. It's safer not to guarantee another person's debt. So sometimes we think, oh, yeah, I'll be a guarantor for you on your loan just so you can get it, right? And we think we're just doing a nice thing, and then, and then they stop paying their loan, and then it costs us thousands of dollars, right? So he's saying it's not wise to do that. And, and I knew a guy who always got talked into doing this for his so-called friends. They were just using him. He, they, they always talked to him into doing this. And, and you know what? He worked the same job as me. He got paid a little bit more than me because he'd worked there longer. But yet I was able to live in a house and provide for my family while he could barely afford to live in the Lethbridge Hotel down the street over there because he was stuck under the burden of paying off a bunch of other people's debts because he had signed over as a security or a guarantor for them. Not wise. Not wise. So unless it's your child, you know, on a mortgage or someone you're willing to sacrifice for, don't do that. All right, so three, third point. The third way to be good stewards, according to Proverbs, is we should have some savings. We should have some savings. Proverbs 21.20, precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. Right? A, f- a foolish person will, will, will grab their money and, and just use it all up, like my kids when they get their allowance. Right? So this is, and this is simple wisdom, right? We should have savings. Of course, of course, we're not saving it to hoard it for ourselves like Scrooge McDuck, right? They're all greedy. Blair talked about greed a couple of weeks ago. But rather, we, we should have money set aside, whether it's for you know, a rainy day or, or, or so that we have financial room to give and be generous when, we, when we're called to be, or so that we can still be generous even after we've retired, or, or so that we can have an abundance to, to pass on as an inheritance to the next generation when we die. So we, sh- we should have savings. We don't trust in those savings, right? Which brings us to the last point this morning, number four. We'll become good stewards and invest in what matters most only when we recognize and grasp the difference between temporal and eternal wealth. We have to grasp the difference between temporal and eternal wealth. Proverbs 11.4 says, Riches won't help you on the day of judgment, but right living can save you from death. Riches won't help you on the day of judgment. In other words, you can't take your money with you. They're not going to, the amount of money you have doesn't earn a reward in heaven, right? But rather the impact that you make with the money you've been given and the way you live your life now can and does have value and impact that goes into eternity. It can, it can bring life to the lifeless, right? Our wealth can bring hope to the hopeless, prosperity to the poor. It can display the love and generosity of Jesus, which is our primary concern, right? To proclaim the name of Jesus with what we've been given. And as Jesus reminds us, our goal isn't to have giant bank accounts. Our goal is to lay up our treasures in heaven, not on earth where moth and rust destroy and if we truly understand that, if we truly understand how, how temporal our stuff is, that our things are, we won't spend so much on them or, 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 or thinking about them or desiring those things, right? But rather, we'll, we'll desire what will last. We'll invest in what will last. 
what brings people to God, and what brings glory to God. We'll even be willing to sacrifice all that we have if necessary because we know it's worth it. Just as Jesus has sacrificed for us, right? He, he gave everything. He, he set aside his very nature, even, even to the point of death on a cross so that we could, we could have life and life abundant, right? Think, think of how amazing it is that Jesus paid the full price for our sin even while we were in debt to sin and poor in spirit also that we could be set free in the righteousness and riches of the glory and grace of God. So let's not squander those riches. Let's be wise. Let's use the wisdom that he has given us and be good stewards for his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are, Lord. That you are a God who loves us, who cares for us, who provides for us, who died for us so that we could have life, so that we could know the riches. We could know the riches, the spiritual riches that you have given us, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you are a God who, who provides, who provides our daily bread. You're a God who is faithful that we can trust in. But Lord, even now I just want to take a moment to, to repent. To ask for forgiveness for when we've, we've taken what you've given us and just squandered it. Wasted it. On our selfishness and our greed and our pride to boost our ego or, or whatever it is, Lord. We, we just come before you and ask for, for forgiveness and that you would change our hearts, that you would change our, our mindset and our attitudes towards the money that you've given us, that we would acknowledge that, that you are the provider, that every good and perfect gift comes from you. That you would help us to remember that each and every time that, that we're about to, to spend our money or to use our money. I pray that you would just place a, a deep desire in our hearts as well to, to be a people who are generous, who, who give freely, who give sacrificially, who give with a joyful heart, Lord, as you've called us to give. Lord, that we would be faithful with little, that we would be faithful with much and that you would be glorified through, Lord. Praise in Jesus' name.